What do you say to anyone who is questioning whether the president would survive a full four-year term? So let me just say this. Uh, it not going to comment. The 2024 <laughs> Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites if you look at the polling still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to another Ruthless Friday program with a full cast and crew here today. Comfortably smug, welcome back. Yeah, Return of the King. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is like, you know, this could be the first video that we put up of a full episode. And, you know, I love the Minion so much. I love our listeners so much. I had to come in for it. I think uh, I'm actually, back. I actually think our first video, Lee. I hope you captured this before we started recording. Before this podcast started, Smug was putting ointments on. <laughs> I uh, maybe it was a Vicks va- vapor rub. I, I'm doing everything possible. He put a Ricola in to, his to mouth to hold it together and survive. I really, I really hope Lee has that video footage of you with the. The lip balm being put on and everything. Yeah. What what is the treatment for monkeypox, Mug? I'm actually I'm actually. <laughs> well, so so here's the thing: is a lot of people are asking, uh, could it be COVID? Yeah, like COVID twenty three. Well, because you've right? had them all. I've had them all, and I, I was trying to get to the bottom of like, why is it any time there's another COVID variant out or uh, you know the flu's going around? I get it. And so I was actually trying to do this research. My girlfriend didn't believe me that like as I, I've I've said many times. When men get a cold or a flu, it's a hundred times worse than <laughs> you the very pain of childbirth. Like women can't understand this how is, much. It this, hurts. I, I, I want to point out this is why my wife doesn't listen to this show, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> but 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 it's it's true. So so men get hit hard with diseases far worse than women do. And uh, I was trying to find <laughs> I, I was trying to find research to back this up. And there's a there's a study that he found Harvard, one that that Harvard conducted that said. Uh, testosterone makes it easier to catch like colds and it makes it far worse so that's the whole reason here is that is that a, a sign like did penis come up with that no i mean it was, it was harvard and i was like you know what this has been like a lifelong problem is extremely high levels of testosterone <laughs> <laughs> like i remember like like it, 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 you're it, a victim in, in high school i could grow like a full beard so like when we needed to go get beers at the gas station i didn't need a fake id i just roll up the guy's like well he's got a beard well, he's so there's ups beard. and downs and now, <laughs> and now you need to check his driver's license he, he now, you're catching, now you're catching the downside of your extraordinarily high tea yeah well i mean i'm just glad to be here i had to be back in the studio with the team as we launched we missed video. you pal we and, missed and, and you. i missed the show and, and and i'm just holding it together for this episode and i'm ready for it yeah it's well, gonna be a great one it's gonna be a good one mary Catherine ham was making a, a bid for your seat i mean she did an outstanding job like i said a fellow north carolinian if you need a job done right you send a north carolinian she there definitely you go. knocked it out there you go it's at least one of the states you call home uh all right so listen the intro that was karine jean pierre as we say here on the program uh, not commenting on the question of whether or not President Biden would survive yeah, not, a second term. <laughs> not just kidding, carry it out. What? Will he survive it? 
Can you imagine taking a no comment on that? I mean, that's no. not the time for no comment. <laughs> <laughs> on the heels of him like falling down on stage, like we're gonna try to limit the number of stairs and times he has to stand. <laughs> I mean, look, when you're in political press, there are, I mean, it's a dynamic atmosphere, right? And, and you get all kinds of different incoming and everybody's looking at you to how you instantly react. There are some things that you need to think about and get back to people on. There are other things you can kick to an agency. There are other things that you just have to respond to. Whether your boss will survive for a term he's running for, oh, I mean, how do you even take I mean, a it's second? A, it's, but, a, it's a brand new low. But kicking it to the agency is a familiar thing in, sure. the, in the White House briefing room. You know, if you get a question that you don't, don't feel comfortable answering on, say, foreign policy, you direct it to the Pentagon, you get a question on some judicial thing, you know, DOJ can answer your question on that. You would think you could just say, the president is in great health. All further questions can be directed to the doctor, you know? You know what I mean? Like, like I appreciate you, the question. I'm going to refer you to the actuarial table. Right, exactly. <laughs> There's a wonderful nurse at hospice. I want you to meet her, and then we'll talk to the coroner. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brand the whole new team. <laughs> Oh, man, I just can't believe it. So listen, hello and welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program on video. You've seen a few of the clips. We've given you a little tease. And it turns out the wolf, can we get the wolf's uh, intro here as a proper thing to do here on the program? Yeah, there he is. Okay, uh, end it, end it, end it. End Why? It. Well, we got to be worried about the, you know, the trademarks. I thought we were going to do the, the guitar. We can't play more than like a couple of seconds. This is important for our listeners or people who might be watching this on YouTube. You don't want to get hit with a violation of copyright. When did you turn into F. Lee Bailey? <laughs> I'm not F. Lee Bailey. I'm just a person who's familiar with putting things on the internet. <laughs> I know all you guys think you just press a button and it's all solved. No, that is what you do. But typically, uh, I think you just hit a button, right? Yeah, you just hit the button. Yeah, it's and just then, a, it's a, like I said, it's a button, and then it goes viral, right? Um, but you got to be careful with using trademark information, you know, music and things like that when you put stuff up on YouTube. So. This can be a learning experience for us. Maybe we get a strike on the yeah. account on the first day. Just think? Yeah. It's possible. Just because of that? And I couldn't even get the... Bow, 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 bow. Pal, I wanted to get there so bad. <laughs> but he stopped us. I did. I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do the right thing. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Uh, how is the merch going? Are we selling some merch? We are. You know what's so funny? You dick. I knew you were, <laughs> were going to ask about this. So, like, as the intro was going into the show, I pulled up the Shopify yeah. back end just so I, you know, I would I would have a retort to your question. Sure. Uh, it's going really well. People are, are really, they're digging the merch. They like it. Yeah. And, and people will be happy to know we're actually creatively throughout the day thinking about new merch and new ways to get stuff going on that people would like. Uh, the stuff that we've had, a lot of it's flown off the shelf. And it's not as easy as just kind of like re-upping the order. Yeah. So you got to be creative to trying to figure out different ways to get people what they need, supply chains and whatnot. And and also like the hats, uh, even I didn't get a chance on, on one of the hats. No, I didn't know that one, that. me Sold either. super quick. Yeah. Uh, the vest, 
that Duncan is modeling so nicely. Yeah, definitely no, getting one of those. Very handsome. And, and uh, the URL store.ruthlesspodcast.com. Yeah. It's a subdomain. You know what? Thank you, Smug. Yeah. I appreciate You know, I'm so glad you're back because these be guys have been goofing on me about the subdomain. And you just, you respect it. Hey, you respect before, the work. Before you start whining too much, I did take your rule to heart and I did buy merch on my own. The oh. way that the hosts are supposed to. Good. Oh, that's in because that's what we're forced to do here on the variety program. That's exa- well, that's what Michael told us we had. You to work do, all so. day to to buy the stuff that you're doing. All exactly. Day. Yeah. No. Yeah. No handouts. No. Sorry. No. Sorry. You you want socialism on the show? No. Okay. I, I I want a, I want a fucking fleece is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I bought a few things Friday night, mm-hmm. and I I was hoping that Michael Duncan would be happy with that. No, that's great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your support. <laughs> Thanks, Ashbrook. Now, Thank I, now I'm the asshole. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. You just what, abandoned we'll ship out. like that. What we'll find out is whether Michael actually delivers the product he takes your money for. Are you going to critique the product? Maybe we should have a segment at when you get the product and what you think about it. Whether it arrives on time and whether it's what I'm expecting. I, I think just love. Yeah, I love how my co-host is going to fucking Yelp review our own store <laughs> to me. It's unbelievable. Tr- truth and advertising. There literally is no more People transparent count- way to. On the variety program for well, truth. I, I will say this, you know, in between my NyQuil comas, I would see what the Ruthless account's doing on Twitter, and there are lots of very good reviews about the merch. Folks are already getting it in hand. Yeah. Taking shots. We always love seeing that. We always yeah. love no, seeing love that. Well, they we went it. to the store, I think, because the turnarounds were so much better. I saw so many people who got their merch right ahead of Memorial Day, which... I got to give it to Shopify, dude. They, yeah, that's pretty fast. They got to figure it out. Yeah, totally. So you'll all be happy to know we've been in contact with every presidential campaign. That's right. And we are lining up interviews as we speak. What we don't want to do is be the rollout of somebody's campaign. We want to actually get into the thrust of everybody's campaign, sit down, and then have a conversation about what's important what their campaign's about, what they found in the field, what their differences are. You know, I mean, look, talk shit if you have to about the other candidates, but we want all that. We don't want like a, I'm here to announce and so let's celebrate it type interview. Sure. Like this is a real interview. Yeah. So we've talked to everyone about what we're going to do here in the next three, four, five weeks. And we got some exciting stuff coming up. 100%. Really exciting stuff coming up. And really exciting stuff towards the end of the summer too. I can't wait until we can announce it. I know. I know. I know. I can't wait. Anyway, we've got all the presidential uh, commentary. There was a big week last week. We'll talk about that in the show. One thing I wanted to start off with here today, because there was an important article in Politico, Mm -hmm. which our esteemed colleague, Smash Masherton over here, Mm -hmm. was quoted in. Oh, oh, interesting. I didn't didn't realize they included that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, little, little old me. Little old me. Well, sometimes sometimes you're just texting these people and talking to them, and and you just don't know if they take take it or not. Well, I I did notice in the document that I'm looking at that it's bolded and underlined, mm. uh, so it does appear as though you were in fact quoted in here. But it is about sort of the optimism that Republicans ought to have about the way the map is shaping up and the way the recruiting is shaping up in the United States Senate. Basically, everything that went the other way in 2022, where we failed to recruit, where we failed to fundraise for these candidates, and we had a bad, bad cycle as a result, is turned around early. 
when we were still in the off year and it looks like it's heading in the right way. So the title of the article in Politico is suddenly things are actually going the Senate GOP campaign arms way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So here's the lead. Senate GOP's campaign arm got good news in recent weeks when two very conservative politicians eyeing a run for the upper chamber, and I'm going to quibble with that. I'll come back to it. Uh, Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano and Ohio Representative Warren Davidson both decided to forego statewide campaigns. GOP strategists had warned that the two men would complicate the path towards taking back the Senate, where Democrats hold a one-vote majority. Before then, the party was had also landed a prize recruit in West Virginia Governor Jim Justice, who is running against Joe Manchin, who hasn't even announced yet whether he will seek re-election. Mm-hmm. That's the overview as the mainstream media sees it, corporate media sees it. Uh, I would argue that it has absolutely nothing to do with ideology. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty ridiculous framing to be like, oh, these very conservative candidates had decided not to run. That's not it at all. I think Doug actually, uh, Mastriano, he ran for governor, right? Last yeah, no, he, he ran smoked. for Senate. He got smoked. No, he ran no, for he governor. Ran for governor. Excuse, governor me. excuse me. He ran for governor. Oz was running for well, Senate. Well, well-meaning guy. He got yeah. his ass handed to him. And that's what we can't afford this time. If you look at the map for Senate Republicans, it is very, very promising. You've got West Virginia. You've got Montana. You've got Ohio. you got Pennsylvania. The possibility of Nevada. The possibility of Arizona. You look across the map. There are opportunities left and right. And if you put a candidate up against the Democrats who will lose... Shocker, we will lose. Yeah. What Republicans this time around will not will not deal with is a candidate who cannot win. And I just think that I just think that we are headed in the right direction with and, this. And and bringing up Jim Justice at the opening is perfect because that's someone who has won that state multiple times. And well, he's also like, up twenty. Yeah, I mean he pulls through the roof. But but let me just bring it back to the framework of very conservative politicians. You will notice as you're consuming political media outside of Fox and outside of your preferred conservative outlets, that the transposition, transposing conservative for crazy is a one-to-one match in the corporate media. If I were to tell you that Venezuelan voting machines rigged the 2020 election, that's an, an objectively insane statement. What the conservative media or what the corporate media will tell you is he's very conservative. Mm-hmm. Right, because they want those two things to be synonymous. They'll say very conservative. Right. There's absolutely nothing conservative right. there's not. A, there's not a it's, correlation between being a conservative and being a crazy person, but they've, they've shorthanded that as a way to basically stop us <laughs> from electing good people. Yeah. Right. And it's proof positive that the mainstream media is chock full of left-wing ideology. I would point out again, and I've said this previously on the show, I mean, the whole theory of the case for Doug Mastriano when he ran for governor, and I got this wrong earlier here, but uh, when he was running for governor, the whole idea was this guy is going to turn out the rural vote. Yeah, right? he like, didn't and he, and And because he's the MAGA guy in Oz, you know, He's a good candidate. He's good on television, but he's not going to have support in the rurals, right? Doug underperformed Oz mm. in the rurals yeah. in Pennsylvania. The whole theory that this guy was the more conservative guy on the ticket for the Republicans who was going to drive turnout in the rurals 
was fucking wrong. It's obviously wrong. So the idea that now you could, you know, in 2023, talk about how he's the conservative is, like you said, is just a fiction created by the media. It, it, It all comes down to a deliberate misconstruing of what ideology actually is. Right. The craziest thing that liberals could say about a Republican candidate is a conservative thing. Mm-hmm. Not true. It's just absolutely not true, and it's never been true. And it, in fact, you know, in the view of the corporate media, the most out there, the most aggressive, the most crazy thing that you could do is Trump, right? They think that Trump is the most conservative, and they say it consistently over and over and over again. You'd be very hard pressed to find a Republican presidential candidate at any time in my lifetime that is run on a more moderate platform than Donald Trump. He will be a, he will be a conservative again, the second he's in a general election and they would like him to lose. But they talk, but they talk about his positions as though that they're, they're right wing. Right. There's nothing right. I mean, he is significantly to the center of where Ron DeSantis is. I would argue where Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are. Right. I think it depends on the issue, but I think writ large, you're correct. Vast majority of issues that we're talking about here. And so, like, look for that. As a listener, look for that. When somebody says, oh, this person is very, very conservative. Well, take a look at their positions. If their idea of very, very conservative is expanding entitlements in this country, that doesn't seem that conservative to me. Does it? Do you? No. It doesn't. But that's like the same thing they keep saying about all the MAGA candidates that they're so conservative. There's nothing conservative about I, so, that. So I, th- I think part of this is actually our own fault in some ways as Republicans is we've decided that what makes somebody a conservative is attitudinal. Mm. Right? Is like the way that you battle the press, or personality based. How how yeah how how big your personality is, and and that's sort of informed some of the media's narrative on who is conservative, right? Like if you are the most confrontational, you are the most conservative. I mean, yeah. I can agree to that to a certain extent. I think you know there's a number of Republicans voters who felt that like Mitt Romney in 2012 is a perfect example. He just gets railroaded by the press. And then you saw Trump, who absolutely did not let that happen four years later when he's running as uh, the Republican candidate. And I think that appeals to a lot of conservative voters. Oh, it does, it they does feel for that, sure. Like, yeah. You know, mainstream media's job, as Ashbrook was saying, is basically to try to destroy the Republican candidate. And so I think a lot of Republican voters, primary voters, see someone who's willing to fight back as, yes, that's my idea of a conservative. Well, see, I think you're right. Yeah, I think, it, but, but I think that's I'll, attitudinal is yep, what that is. Yep, but yep, I think exactly. I, I think there's an awful lot of primary voters that get what you're saying and they want to fight her, but they don't confuse yep. that for ideology. Whereas the press and the way that they are framing this entire race for president and for Senate, obviously, is that it's an ideological thing. And the more sort of outlandish that they find rhetoric, the more that they're likely to brand it as a conservative yeah. deal, which is not the case. It's just not the case. But I, I will say that ideology mm-hmm. or perceived ideology by the press is one thing. And in this case, you've got a story that at least you have the press recognizing that Republicans are starting to get better candidates. Okay, well, I'll, I'll take that. I, I, mean, oh, I, totally. feel like, I feel like it's night and day from last cycle. This is, this is the, an observation of reality as it exists, yeah. no question. Separately from ideology or perceived ideology from the press, you have experience. 
And last cycle, we were completely saddled with candidates across the map who hit two for five in their high school baseball game and all of a sudden thought, that means I should be in the majors. (laughs) And like you had Senate candidates who had no experience running in a statewide race. And Senate races are very complicated things. You've got multiple media markets. You've got audiences other than like, presidential it's the toughest thing you can do in politics it's it's, it's so difficult yeah. and, and and we had so many people in and, and the governor's races too uh we had so many people who just thought okay well i made a good speech at that lincoln day dinner everybody seemed to love it i should run for senate i should run for governor and it turns out it's a very complicated process mm-hmm. with a lot of inputs and if you want to win you have to be conservative and you have to check all of the boxes otherwise you're going down no question well i mean listen steve danes is running the national republican senatorial committee this time around the guy's doing a whale of a job whale of a job working hard between behind the scenes trying to make sure that the right candidates are in the right place and they're well-funded, their teams are put together. He's done it since day one. It's the kind of thing that we've come to expect from 2014 to 2020 in Senate elections. And we had a a two-year hiatus on that, shall we say. But he's back at it. Let me quote back from the Politico article. The developments have thrilled Republicans back in D.C., including many still smarting over the results of 2022 when Democrats not only held on to power in the Senate, but expanded the majority. During that cycle, the NRSC took a hands-off approach to primaries, only to see ultra-MAGA nominees, again, we get back again, into exactly. like characterizing what this is, capture the nomination and lose a general election. The reason that I think the ideological thing is so important here, and like the branding of the candidates are so important here, is because it has absolutely nothing to do with where your position on the issues actually are are and they're trying to convince people that if you're a really conservative person that somehow these candidates shouldn't jibe or they're not quite as aggressive as you'd like them to be nonsense mm-hmm. absolute nonsense i mean it's just, it's just not true they are just as conservative as people who say venezuelan voting machines rigged the election right if not way more right. they just also aren't crazy yeah, like, shit like, like what is what is ultra maga exactly because it's a like Brian, it's a term that joe biden came right, up with right. when he was standing in front of the red and black lights right. in well, philadelphia even, even more it's something that they poll tested yeah and, and I, I think it was anita dunn who was partly behind the creation of this they poll tested what could offend voters in a general election the most they came up with ultra maga and so that's why in every speech that you hear a Democrat give now, they say ultra MAGA, and the media runs with it because they know, they know. Like, well, but I guess what I'm saying is like, on paper, Brian Kemp is way more conservative than Doctor Oz was. Oh yeah, right. No question. But Doctor Oz is the ultra. It, you're macro. now you you are you are you reading it? back to me yeah. exactly my point. Right, right, right. That's that. That but, is a hundred percent what right, I'm talking about. But right. the, the media uses it over and over again because that's the give to Democrats. Because Democrats think that that's the way to divide our side Bingo. to yeah. make sure that the suburban voters do not align with the rural voters and that we can't come together on a candidate who can win in a general election. Can you can you do me a favor, John Smash Ashbrook? I would really like you to read. Oh, the thank quote. you. I was going to say the same thing. I want you to read the quote that you gave into this article. I'd like you to do it in your voice. Do it in the voice. Do it. This is very embarrassing. 
But he'll do so. But I'll do it. He'll do it. Because, he'll heed the call. Because you asked me, Michael. <laughs> he'll heed the call. It's not exactly trigonometry, said John Ashbrook, a Republican consultant and McConnell alumnus. Better candidates give Republicans a better shot at the majority. And if the current trend holds, we have a clear road all the way to victory. Oh, mm. yes. Mm. Spoken like a man who knows what winning looks like. It's a good oh, point. It's poetry. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a smart man. So on the way to this victory, which, again, that article does capture. We may quibble with how they brand different people, but it does it does capture basically where things are at from a Republican standpoint. There's the great state of Arizona, which we've had a huge problem with. Huge problem with. But it turns out Democrats have some huge problems, too. That's very, very nice to hear. What what sort of problem, pray tell, are you referring to? Now, Politico helpfully call, uh, has a an article. Democratic Senate hopeful claims primary residents in Arizona and D.C. Oh, no. <laughs> when Arizona Senate candidate Ruben Gallego bought a house near Capitol Hill last year. He claimed the Washington property is his primary residence mm. as a part of a special mortgage rate afforded to military <laughs> veterans. Oh, that's a goof. That, <laughs> that right there is a goof. But Gallego and his wife also say that they own a, uh, own a Phoenix home as their primary residence. Well, okay. that seems like a double tax break, doesn't it? Well, it seems like the guy's living two lives. I mean, if he's telling us that he's got a special mortgage rate and then he's going back to Arizona and telling them that he's actually their guy, he's actually the Democrats' answer to, to do what they want against Kirsten Cinema. I think this is a very, very much more complicated primary on the Dem side than they would care to admit it is. Well, and there's all kinds of different stuff here because the incumbent, Kirsten Cinema, as we know, uh, switched from a Democrat to an independent. Now, she's still running in that primary, correct? And she still, well, she still votes with Democrats in Washington. So she caucuses with them. So she's giving Democrats, she's giving Schumer, she's giving them all the power that they want. And I think that's key. That's key. That, that's very key is to point out is that she's a Schumer enabler. When it comes down to it. She, she can, had the opportunity. That's the thing. She, tr she says, oh, I'm an independent because, you know, Arizona voters, they like the whole mavericky <laughs> thing. But she's not an independent when she's coxing with the Dems and letting Schumer claim the majority. Right. I mean, it was, it was all self-preservation, right? Like she was getting absolutely destroyed by the Democrats when she was a Democrat with a D next to her name. Yeah. And so just being a quote unquote independent was a self-preservation thing where she can now claim, like you said, the mantle of John McCain and I'm the maverick and yada, yada, yada. But it's all smoke and mirrors. Yep. It is smoke and mirrors. This is a race we're going to keep our eye on now. Look, Republicans have not exactly been the second coming of Karl Rove over here. I mean, this has not been strategic in the least. We have figured out how to grab defeat from the jaws of victory at every turn in Arizona. Winnable race after winnable race after winnable race, and Republicans keep losing it. That being said, Democrats, look, they got two candidates in this race. And we'll see who ultimately runs on the Republican side. But it looks at this point like something we should keep an eye on. Yeah, you remember here that the Arizona primary is always late. It's August yeah, it's of the terrible. election year. Why so does anybody do that? It's over a year from now. It's an incumbent protection it, it is. racket. It's 100% for incumbency. Anytime you have a primary after like the first week in July, the only thing that is is an incumbent protection racket. 
because it doesn't allow for any challenger to cross the, the threshold of a primary and raise the kind of money that's necessary to compete in a general. It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. but you could actually, because cinema's now an independent and you got Gallego in the race too, it, it adds a different wrinkle Yeah, it's a different it, wrinkle. Right? Like, I agree with you 100%. It, it is a, a, a incumbent protection racket. But the deficit that we faced in 2020 in there was like Blake Masters walked out of that primary in August broke, right? And then he had just a couple of months to raise all the money to try to win the race. Yeah. Like, we're going to be in a different situation, hopefully. Maybe. Knock on wood. But I know you guys are more hopeful than I am on this. You know, this is like this this thing. Fucking Arizona bothers me a lot. I think the state party and I think Kelly. I've said this before on the show. I think Kelly Ward is the worst thing that happened to the Republican Party in a state party. Oh, Chemtrail Kelly. She's, she's yeah. out now. You know yeah, that. I know. She's on a fucking boat somewhere. And she, I'm sure she's like completely <laughs> blissfully unaware how much she fucked up our country. But I, until you show me a state party in Arizona that wants to be competent and responsible and elect people that can win, I don't believe we can win this race. Got to be sorry. a serious party. I think the best comparison is to the Iowa state Republican oh, Party, totally. where you've got a party who is so committed to yes. winning, yeah. lockstep, developing talent, making sure that you know they find the best people available, help foster you know stronger candidates. That's what you get is a winning machine. That's what they have in Iowa. Just just to put a finer point on it, you got Carrie Lake out there who lost the governor's race and has been claiming fraud here for the last few months and everything has lost a bunch of court cases. I saw her like over last weekend quote tweeting some idiot who was like, California's a red state. There's only only three counties that Democrats win. Everything else goes red. The map was obviously fucking wrong. And you got Carrie Lake out there quote tweeting it being like, interesting. Interesting. You should read this. And it's like, if that is if if that is the quality of our standard bearers in, in swing states, we will lose Arizona. I'm just telling you. If you see these people making these claims on the internet, for example, on this website, twitter.com, like like run right <laughs> at their weird. fucking face and make fun of them and, and make them feel like they're stupid because they are and they're going to try to destroy our chances in the state again. Well, I, I guarantee it. I have a more nuts and bolts question. So so cinema is running in the Democrat primary in Arizona against Ruben Gallego, right? Have we seen any polling? Is he leading her? Because if you think about like Democrat primary voters... A lot of them are fired up at the idea of like, yes, we want an actual Democrat and, and Gallego is far more progressive than cinema is. So if it, let's so so he's running they're, they're in a primary. And if, if she loses that, is she out or then can she run as an independent? Well, there's there has to be at some point Johnny may have specifics to it, but there has to be a call made. Yeah. About whether this is going to be a Democratic primary or a the, three-way race. The reality is that Cinema has not yet announced her intentions for next year. That's, and, that's the truth of it. Gallego has announced that he's running for Senate. Mm-hmm. Cinema has not made an announcement yet about her intentions. And my guess is, you know, if you put yourself in her shoes, what she's looking at is, if I'm getting blown out in a Democratic primary as an incumbent, I'm trying to run as an independent. If you, <clears throat> If you imagine what... Arizona Republicans have done over the last three cycles and say, if Arizona Republicans do exactly what I expect them to do, and my dude in who lives in D.C., who's a psychopath off the left-hand side of the map, does what he has done his entire career, there's probably a path down the center, which she may very well take. Yeah, I think that's what she's trying to figure out right now. 
So anyway, we'll keep an eye on all of that. We got some animal news before we get into the presidential stuff. Um, guys, the one that, that I, I need to get into at some depth is this swan. Mm. This is from the Free Beacon. Foreign nationals kill, eat, town swan. Yeah. I, I, the Free Beacon had excellent coverage <laughs> I, of this. I didn't realize there were foreigners. Well, that's it. So I think this is a very important thing uh, that the Free Beacon actually covered because I looked at the coverage that like CNN did and they were like, oh, some kids just like killed and ate a swan. Yeah, no, they made like, it sound like it was Republicans, like <laughs> young Republicans. You know, um, and, and the Free Beacon is the only one that said that like, okay, this is, you know, a refugee, a group of refugees who showed up and the Free Beacon. Uh, uh, so first to point out, to get into the story of what happened in this instance, it says, yeah. The tr- three teens accused of killing and eating a beloved swan in an upstate New York village are refugees. The Washington Free Beacon has learned. It says, uh, I think the name of the town is Man- Manalias. Police reported Faye the Swan and her four signets. I also didn't know a signet. Is oh, a yeah, for, a signet. For, it's, a, it's part of the children. Yeah, the brood, a, but, if you will. But, but, but please take note of what the journal did in this case. They named the swan as if it's a person. And they provided. Wait, are you going? Are you going on the side of of, of the kids who murdered? A hundred percent. That's crazy. One hundred percent. Absolutely there's a, there's hilarious. A line to be drawn. Go there's ahead. A line but, to be drawn. No, please, the man's consistent. But please go ahead. I'm going to continue. It says, uh, "Manalized police reported Faith Swan, her four children, missing from the town children. pond. Children? Signets. Is that the word? No, signets. it's signets. Okay, missing from the town pond last Monday, which prompted horror from the Manalized New York residents." Locals flooded Manalized police with tips the next day, which ended in the arrest of 18-year-old Iman Hussein of Syracuse, New York, and two minors <laughs> aged 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. Um, it says the the posse are, this is from Phoebe the posse are refugees uh, from Myanmar and attend- Otherwise high, known as Burma. Yeah, Myanmar, yeah. Attend no, yeah. high school in the neighboring city, Manalized police sergeant uh, Ken Hatter told the Free Beacon. Says police say the three were able to steal Faye because she was nesting and steal. did not find back fight back. The suspects devoured Faye <laughs> with their family. Devoured in Syracuse. And here's what's important, and I thought it was is good of the Free Beacon to tie this, is the Free Beacon has previously reported on two suspected illegal immigrants in Stanton County, Nebraska, who snuck into protected land and shot a bald eagle. <laughs> wait, wait, that, that seems apropos of nothing. Well, no, I mean, a, this, this seems, the, this you know, one is a tragedy, two is a pattern. <laughs> okay. Well, wait, uh, so I, I, are we saying that the signets are a protected class I, can, here? Can, can, we're, we're saying that, like, well, we need to be, this is an example of what do, happens when you don't have you know, a control on our border. Look, I we have illegal aliens all I'm saying who are is, killing hold on, hold on. animals dear to us. The mascot of our country is being shot. I think, <laughs> I think I think killing a bald eagle is a crime. I think killing a swan is lunch. <laughs> They're just eating. Has yeah. anybody, I mean, I, I assume a swan is an endangered species since it's not no. been on any it's of my menu. No, 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 no. It's, it's not. It is, it is ab- Wait, so it's absolutely not an endangered then species. Then why has nobody served and, swan? And in, and in this case, in this case, if it's illegal to kill a swan, you shouldn't do it. My point is that everybody who wrote that story, edited that story, and is reading that story ate at least two birds the day that all of those things happen. And, and Ate at least two birds those days. Here, here's, and what here's they're doing is looking is, down on these guys who just like saw 
oh, okay, I'm new to this country. I see a bird. They didn't know. How are they? They're supposed to be able to read all the rules and they know that the, they're not allowed they to should. eat the swan? I do think they should be you able to read. You think part of your naturalization is you're like, hey, don't don't kill swans? I, I, I think part of naturalization should be, can you read and write in the language my, of the country my, that you're trying to well, immigrate to? Sure. Here, here's, here's my problem. I think problem. it's a simple thing. Here's my problem. When I go to an ATM, it shouldn't give me a choice. Killing it's animals English. needs more here's, refinement here, here, than here, that. Here though. is my problem. In the state of New York, you are allowed to commit violence against another human being and get away scot-free. Uh-huh. These people in the state of New York didn't know any better, and they killed a bird and he, ate it. He's winning they me over. They, he's better. winning they me better. over. There was a sign posted that said not to kill it. They had okay. to jump a fence to uh, do it. You know you're doing crime. You know you're doing a crime. My point is that New York needs to prosecute people who do violence against humans more than they people who eat birds. And the, that's my only point. My I'm point. Sorry, I guess we're just different that I don't support illegal immigration like you do. <laughs> He's got all of a sudden he fought back to a draw. I mean, like, <laughs> no, 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 this no, is no, starting no, to become no, a pattern. No, 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 no. You're, you're pro shooting bald eagles at this point. No, this is a oh, swan. This of... is not a bald eagle. First in, of in, all, in fairness, is signets. And and PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, has taken over our society. Uh, what swans. we need to do is have the people for the ethical treatment of people. Swans are disgusting animals, and I would point out if you ever play golf on a course and you got a swan coming at you hissing with its tongue out you would wrap your putter around that thing so fast <laughs> it's they're disgusting they can be dangerous they're dangerous I, we're gonna if, have to get we're gonna have to get if, some clarification on law, what the if the law says don't kill him you shouldn't kill i him. think there's probably not a swan season i think My, if that's the law right. we should change the law but, well <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't disagree with the old man. My only so point it's, is, it said like, they are being charged with a felony, right? Ugh. And and are subject to deportation. Well, in the end, I think we can all agree that you can kill the swan, but not if you're illegal. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do a Michael Jackson impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what is that? Well, the swan was you're, you're the swan was moon wa- the, the swan was moonwalking. So, so you know. So uh, I mean, any guy. any of us who've watched Finding Neverland had to ask further questions about what that meant. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So let's get back to the presidential because this stuff is awesome. Um, last week, I think, was the biggest first week anyway of what's been happening on the presidential side. You had the DeSantis announcement the week before, and then he went to Iowa. And there was a bunch of stuff that happened, a bunch of different events. I think he got all of the visuals that they lacked from the announcement. Remember the, the big speech in front of the massive American flag, interacting with voters. He had some blowback with reporters. All the things that DeSantis supporters have come to love about the guy over the years were on full display last week. Mm-hmm. Full display. Yeah, no, very good. And he was working it pretty hard. In addition to that, you had our old pal, Governor Kim Reynolds who is basically like the Iowa concierge of this point, leading everybody around, culminating in good friend of the program, Joni Ernst, Mm -hmm. Senator Joni Ernst, putting on the the bash, right? Her her signature event where all the presidentials show up at. They ride some motorcycles, they eat some barbecue, they cavort with the crew, and it felt like a real campaign. Didn't you guys think? I mean, that first of all, that sounds like an amazing time to be had. Joni Ernst, you know, friend of the program, great bash to put together. 
Um, I saw some of the photos from it. It was kind of amusing seeing Pence roll up in like a biker yeah, no, vest. It was, it yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess he stuck with the theme there. Well, I, I would give him credit, though, because he's the only candidate who actually rode. Because it's, ro- it's the roast and ride. Yep. Uh, uh, Joni, Joni's event. And he's the only candidate who actually rode a motorcycle. But he's from Indiana. So he's from the Midwest. You know that that means that he is he's actually true to himself. That's right. Well, give the guy a little bit of credit. He actually got on a, a motorcycle and, well, and I mean, I, rode yeah, the thing. I, I didn't know he did. But I mean, yeah. if he showed up on a yeah, motorcycle, then yeah, wear the biker vest. Makes sense. Yeah. He did. He did. And, you know, look, Casey DeSantis was wearing a pretty pretty yeah, no, that was, uh, significant leather jacket yeah, there, too, right? The, the yeah, it, around the back. Yeah, it had the whole embroidery. It said, um, where woke goes to die with Amazing. the outline of Florida and the, and the alligator on it. You got to love it. You yeah, got to love it. You got to love it. No lack of creativity this weekend, <clears throat> and I think it points to something that we're going to be very, very lucky to witness over the next nine months, and that is an actual competition in the Republican primary for president. I, 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 really, I really think that's what we're headed for. I, I mean, think so, too, because the last six months we've basically all been operating under the impression that this is a fait accompli, that, that President Trump is going to be renominated. Not going to be much of a contest to the extent that there are other candidates they are basically going to be talking about how great his four years were, but they're a little bit different. And that's not what happened last week at all. What happened last week is everybody was going out, they were meeting voters, they were drawing contrast. There was a huge clash between Trump and DeSantis on a number of different issues. And then Trump didn't go to the roast and ride. He was the only candidate that didn't go to Joni Ernst's roast and ride. And then separately, he had another kind of like foray with the press where he, uh, I wouldn't say attacked, but he certainly diminished Kim Reynolds by saying that she wouldn't have been governor without his endorsement, yeah. which is, you know, look, as a factual matter, not true. Yeah. But, but also in terms of an Iowa residence, uh, that's a tough message. Yeah, look, that's Trump, a tough message. Trump is definitely in the catbird seat. He is the strongest, strongest Republican right now running for president of the United States. But Leon Lett was awfully close to the goal line when he dropped the football. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, right. and fellas, he needs to focus. And if he doesn't, I just think we've got people all over his tail who are yeah, ready to I take the mantle. Dude, I don't know if it's lack of focus. I, I think... It, he like you were saying, Holmes, like he wants to perpetuate this inevitability, this era mm-hmm. of inevitability, right? And I think his team probably thinks showing up at an event like that diminishes that air of inevitability by putting him on the same level as the That's other candidates. And so he wants to put everything sort of at a distance, right? Sort of be above it, um, get in the mud when he wants to but choose to be removed from it and pick his moments. I, I think, think that's key. Yeah, I think I, that's what his whole his whole strategy is, which is also what you see, I think, with all of his, you know, he has this sort of public debate about what he's going to do, commentator Trump, of like, yeah. hey, am I going to show up to the debates, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, he really feels like having that debate publicly is helpful for him because it reinforces that air of, of inevitability, right? Like, oh, I'm up so much. Why would I ever show up in a debate? This debate's crooked. This debate's wrong. These moderators are wrong. The venue's wrong, right? Like, if he continues to have that conversation, I think he he thinks he can he can persist out until the polling changes. Until the polling changes, he's kind of right. Yeah, except for 
Look, no question. He's still until, dude, he's un- still Carl Hungus. Until <laughs> dude, until the until the polling changes, he is right. He's still Carl Hungus. I mean, I, but I, the, I, I got to agree with Duncan. It's like he, the polling lead that he has is so great. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, he was already elected president. He was already the standard bearer for the Republican Party, and he also announced before anybody else. He's had this time to to, to basically have the field himself built up this huge lead. And, and like Duncan said, is if he shows up to this event, he's just another presidential candidate, and it puts them all on the same level. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Trump, you know, is a master of is is the media and the appearance of media, and so elevating him to a point where like he's like, I have my own event, I was president of the United States, that puts him on a completely separate level than okay, I'm it also does. But you got the first lesson that I ever learned in politics was. You absolutely have to try to compete and earn every vote. If if any voting block is taken for granted or assumed or pretended like you've got just sort of an unfathomable lead, it, be, it begins to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've, it's certainly not presented that way so far. I mean, polling would suggest it's not vulnerable at all. But I worry about if I'm in President Trump's camp having too many more weeks like we saw last week where you've got five or six candidates busting their tail to go try to meet every Iowan they can and showing up and giving due deference to Kim Reynolds and Joni Ernst and the rest of the congressional delegation and everybody else about getting to know and learn their state and their voters and then Trump kind of rolling in and doing a Hannity town hall. Yeah, but I, I guess what I would say back to that is I think the Trump camp's assumption is that the voters in Iowa and New Hampshire know Trump and they know what they're getting and they're choosing him. Yeah, right? I think, I think, I think you so, could strike Trump's name and replace it with Jeb. And you could have said the exact no, same sentence. Not, that's not true. No, that's I, just I, not I disagree. True. I disagree. I, look, well, I, I'm I sorry, agree. With you couldn't have. Jeb's press secretary would have said the exact same thing. I, yeah, but I just, I just uh, think anybody who Trump, Trump, dude, Trump knows, Trump knows when he's losing an argument on something. I, I saw him post on Truth the other day, kind of walking back his statement on uh, DeSantis and Cuomo. Did you see this? Yeah, it's actually fascinating because. You know, he had said, you know, DeSantis um, had more deaths than Cuomo. In New York. Like a demonstrably false allegation for one. Well, I don't know if it's demonstrably false that there that there were more deaths in, in Florida. The population of Florida is fucking huge and their population skews incredibly old and old people died of COVID. I don't actually know. Well, it was it was a per, per capita but, argument. Right, it was but a yeah, per capita argument. Right, right, right. But my point, my point is is that he went back on truth to be like, I did not congratulate Cuomo. I don't think Cuomo did it. So he's actually mm. more, he's more aware than people realize when he's taking incoming. My point in saying that is if he felt like it was to his detriment to avoid events like this, he would do them. And if I was him, I would come in in, a, in his helicopter yep. at the last minute and do surprise. the same thing. Right, he did. Right, yeah. and he's not doing that yet. If he starts doing stuff like that, he's definitely going to be more vulnerable. But he's, I think, unlike sixteen, which I think was completely shoot from the hip, I think Trump, you know, twenty twenty four is 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 way more dialed in than we probably want to give it credit no that's that's true and what we've heard is that his organization in iowa is huge this time around very very well organized very professional but what happened last week with desantis did not stop this week we saw 
uh, Tim Scott. Yeah. Just just on Monday had a huge interaction with the view that went viral online. So that's the piece that the rest of the media are missing here. And I'm glad you brought this up because we have a couple of clips that we want to play for people. Everybody's talking about, and I did Fox News on Sunday, and the only conversation was DeSantis and Trump. I, I loved seeing you look so handsome. Oh, what a, what a you gentleman. Did. Your tie looks so good. Oh, thoughtful. You, and you killed it. Yeah. I feel like you did a really good job. It's very nice. And but you know, it said I, the Ruthless Variety Program. It on did. On the, uh, and, 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 you know, I got to brag on you a little bit here, huh. but I had no clue you were going to be on. Yeah. No clue. And I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm watching the Sunday shows, uh, just sort of like in the background, like dealing with kids and shit. And then I look up and there you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know that guy. Just right off the course. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was fun. It was a good conversation, but it was, it was fundamentally about Trump and DeSantis. Yeah. What we're missing here is the level of talent in this Republican field beyond that is not something to totally ignore. At this point, you, if you look at polls, you have to say this is a Trump and DeSantis and pretty much a Trump deal. But there's some really, really talented stuff that's happening if it gets the attention that it requires in order to be competitive in some of these states. Should we start with the Tim Scott uh, appearance on The View? Just have a listen to this. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a, on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America, because he believed that having faith in God, mm -hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids would unleash opportunities in ways that you, you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look, just change the stations and see how much progress has been made in this country. ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. And for us to so suggest... So America has met its promise. No, of course, the, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union. But in fact, the challenges that we face 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's the way that you, you measured that. When my mother was born, about 10% of African-Americans got a high school degree, wow. diploma. Today, it's over 90%. When you look at the income, when you look at the income success that That's we've had. HBCU stat. Well, listen, HBCU stat is a good okay. one because one of the reasons why I took the funding for HBCUs to the highest level in the history of the country and then I helped make it permanent is because I believe that education is the closest thing to magic in America. So I'm about making sure that our kids have as many opportunities to succeed as possible. It's one of the reasons why. I need I an opportunity to well, succeed because I, mean, I have to go to Britain. Oh, they're begging. They're begging. They're coming back. I'm just getting started. I know. I so, I mean, there's a few things happening here. The first is the backdrop in which The View is a show that had basically called this guy an Uncle Tom. Joy mm -hmm. Behar specifically. He yeah. was just a horrendous person. Just horrendous a horrendous person. But, but also intimated that if you're a conservative black man in America, that you just don't understand what's good for you and, and in she, your, and she in your said, community. She said that like Tim Scott has no idea what it's like being black in America. Joy Behar. 
yeah. the person who wore blackface. There's images of her out in blackface saying, oh, Tim Scott's got no idea. It's like, oh, well, I guess he didn't wear blackface like you did. <laughs> the show the show is so biased and so blinded to anybody else's point of view that even the New York Times over the weekend ran an opinion piece about how biased the program has become. I don't know if any of you saw it. It led the opinion section of the print edition of the New York Times yeah, on Sunday I, I morning. I must have missed that. It was Unbelievable! I could I couldn't believe what I was reading, but it shows you just how biased this show has that that the, the view has become, and it's a lion's den. And Tim Scott walked right in there and stuck it right. And in also, their face. it's interesting to note that Joy Behar didn't show up for it. It's very interesting. Like a coward. It seemed to me like they they planned it that way. Yeah, of course they, they it, didn't it, want they her didn't to want show her up and get dunked on. But a couple of things are happening there, right? I think an underrated skill set in modern politics, which used to be an overrated skill set back in like Ronald Reagan's days, was if you could vehemently disagree with somebody and hold them account to their face, can you do it with a way that gives them hesitancy? Like with a smile on your face. Can you give them, can you do it in a way that makes them think? Yeah. And ultimately, can you leave them with something persuasive that may change their mind? And this guy just walked into a group who hadn't heard, heard a conservative opinion other than getting like, you know, when Ted Cruz goes on there or whatever and they're on there to yell at each other. They haven't heard a serious conservative point ever in their lives. I mean, you imagine they sit in, in the middle of Brooklyn or Manhattan or whatever and sip cocktails with their friends who haven't ever met a conservative and their point of view is only one thing. But now they entertain Tim Scott who shatters their conception of what this world looks like by his appearance on the show alone. Mm -hmm. And then he takes the time to explain in detail why it is that he has come to the conclusions that he's come to. And the only thing they can do is turn their chair and listen. Mm -hmm. They can't say a word about yeah. it. They can't shout over him. Yeah, it's, it's That is a skill set that is undervalued in the, American they, politics. Their, their only answer is we have to go to commercial. And they, they did that to him right. multiple yeah. times. That's right. Like every time he starts getting on a roll, like whenever they would say something stupid, He'd start holding them to account and making a great case. And they say, oh, wait, 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 we have to go to commercial. There was a time they had a producer run up on stage next to Tim Scott and be like, stop, everybody, stop. We have to go to commercial. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it is funny to watch all of these, you know, people who live very comfortable lives, you know, taping a show and never leaving, leaving the comfort of their lives, you know, talk down to a man about his experience mm -hmm. as being black in America. I thought it was incredible that he would go in there and, and, and do that show the way that he did. And like you said, Holmes, I, you know, I thought he brought an optimism and a smile to it yep. in a way that I just, I wish we had more of it in politics. Like, like here's the thing, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat when it comes to fighting the left on all this stuff and cultural uh, things and CRT and, and, and woke politics and things like that. And like, it's a, it's just a different presentation than like a DeSantis gives you or like Vivek gives you. I don't know which one wins ultimately at the end of the day, but I'm glad we have it all in the primary and we're all talking about it because it's, Dude, it's it's such good stuff. Just don't ignore I, this guy. And, that, that, and I, think I think that's that, the point. Do not ignore this guy because the point that he's making and the way he's making it is maybe more important than the point itself. Mm -hmm. 
because there is not a dime's worth of difference between Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott in terms of their ideological profile. Yeah, but the way that he does it, the way that Tim Scott does it, speaking from his own experience, is entirely disarming, yeah. right? Like, like you could be a far-left lunatic, and Tim Scott's going to tell you his personal experience, yeah. right, of his family. What are you going to do about that? What are you going? Uh, it's entirely disarming in a way that is different than 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 the presentation from other I, candidates. I, I think to, like disarming is a perfect way to put it, and the comparison to Ronald Reagan is perfect mm -hmm. because when he was campaigning, you go back and you see that footage; it's disarming. He's he's, totally. he's he's a charming, optimistic candidate, and so when you're listening to him, whether it's in a debate, when uh, that, that famous line he the had, the Mondale he, one, yeah, the Mondale one, yeah, I mean that really appeals to a lot of people mm -hmm. when and they the, were questioning about about his age, and he said, yeah. "I'll never uh, use my opponent's youth, and youth experience, experience against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is perfect. You know, when 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 you add kind of like levity and optimism to a situation, I think that really appeals to a wide swath of people. I think the more attention you get, it, 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 number one, going on the view is wild because mm -hmm. you know, like like Ashford said, it's the lion's den. So what do we what do we think about that though? Because I saw a lot of back and forth online about this, and I think it's a worthy conversation. Whether to you have. should, yeah, like is it worth engaging with hostile media, and in what cases should you? So look, <clears throat> I think Good question. I think you've got to. Um, I don't think that you're forced to do it just as a matter of running for president. I think you can pick your spots. But I think the idea of being president of the United States means that you're only talking to the people who are your own echo chamber is insane because you're never going to deal with it again. See, this is the pr this is why I could never run for president <laughs> because the only thing I would want to do is go to the people that hate me and and you yeah, do the well, opposite of what yeah, everybody else yeah does. i would be like never fox news like take me on rachel maddow prime time that's all i want to do i just want to scream at people well listen i think a lot of people made a living like chris christie in some ways has made a living yeah. out of that when he was governor of new jersey but the, the fact of the matter is is that to in order to accomplish anything as president of the united states you need to deal with people across the ideological spectrum and if you're only dealing with people who frame every single issue exactly the way that you see it and allow you to comment on that, you're actually not getting the skill set presented to the American voter that is required to get these things done at all. I mean, it requires 60 votes in the United States Senate. You're going to need at a minimum six or seven votes from a Democrat in order to get legislation passed. At a minimum, if you're doing like a reconciliation budget tax package, you're going to need to, to inspire and somehow get on your side moderates, both center-left and center-right, Republican and Democrat, to see the world your way. If you don't have that button, if you can't figure out how to persuade people, mm -hmm. you're not going to get anything done. And more often than not, you're going to end up in the kind of firing squad that we've seen over the last six years yeah. that is, is difficult. Yeah. Now, I'm interested in... Trump, because I think he can do that if he wanted to. He did. He went to the CNN town hall. Yeah, like he I, clearly can do it. it. Yeah, I mean, he did exactly that. He went to the mouth of the lion's den and argued it. Yeah, he didn't govern that way. No, I mean, but, well, fine. But all I'm saying is, in the context of this primary, I would say our candidates should go places that are hostile and 
try to make a point the way that Tim Scott did or the way that Donald Trump did in that CNN town hall. And I like, look, I, I know the DeSantis folks have have uh, sort of pulled back from a, a lot of media that they think is biased and they obviously are. But I, I just think at the end of the day, there's value in going to people who hate you and trying to win them over with a smile on your face. I, I just think there is. I, I, I agree. But I also think as a primary voter who, you know, I'm pretty damn conservative. And what I'd like to see is my candidate showing up at a place like that and not trying to compromise on the things I care about. Yeah. Because you also have those candidates like, look, we've given Sununu the business on this show. I intend to continue. And to we will continue to do yeah. that today because he's got announcements. <laughs> but watching him over the last three months as he's flirted for president going on all these places and saying he disagrees with DeSantis on X, Y, and Z because the press obviously disagrees with them, disagrees with Trump on ABC because the press obviously disagrees with him and he's playing into that ecosystem and, and he's basically reinforcing. Yeah, th- yeah, that's a different thing. He's reinforcing. Yeah. Like that, in my view is what I want to know you're not going to do yeah. if you're going to be the Republican nominee. But to this point, not everybody has done that. You have a handful of Republican candidates who have actually gone right into the lion's den, like Tim Scott, like Nikki Haley, and basically told it like it is from their point of view. Nikki Haley was on with CNN. Mm-hmm. She did the town recently. hall that Trump did. Her host was Jake Tapper. Yeah, we've got some audio of that. Yeah, let's play that clip. Too much. I mean, the idea that we have biological boys playing in girls' sports, it is the women's issue of our time. My daughter ran track in high school. I don't even know how I would have that conversation with her. How are we supposed to get our girls used to the fact that biological boys are in their locker rooms? And then we wonder why a third of our teenage girls seriously contemplated suicide last year? We should be growing strong girls, confident girls. Then you go and you talk about building a strong military. How are you going to build the morale in a strong military when you're doing gender pronoun classes? Why is it that... Why is it that you have... You know, kids undergoing critical race theory where if a little girl's in kindergarten, if she goes into kindergarten, if she's white, you're telling her she's bad. If she's brown or black, you're telling her she's never going to be good enough and she's always going to be a victim. All of these things have gone to where they are pushing, you know, and transgender, the whole issue of the transgender. It's not that people don't think in America you should live the way you want to live. I want everybody to live the way they want to live. But stop pushing your views on everybody else. That's the problem, is they're starting to push everything on the rest of us. Okay, so... I mean, dude, it's rock, dude. It's rock, rock star stuff. And, and the median voter in America believes everything she just said. That's Where's the, the testing dial on that yeah, statement? Yeah. Through the moon. Through the moon. Right. Through the moon. And... and the primary voters on our side like that she's taking on CNN. CNN, Jake Tapper, pushed back against her, and she just stood right in there and took it and just gave it right back to him. And I think that for Republican candidates, what you have to remember is that the demographic voting pattern breakdown of your average person in America does not match the voting breakdown of your average person in the media. Media is run by left-wing lunatics. We know this. The culture of every media newsroom is far, far left. But they tell the stories of what's going on in these campaigns. And so you have to either go in there and tell your story or just let them tell it for you. 
And when you are like Nikki Haley, when you are like Tim Scott, when you are like Ron DeSantis, and you are looking them in the eye and saying what it is that you believe and you don't care what it, their question is or what their editor told them to ask, our voters love that. Mm. Because that's what they would do if they were in that situation. They just want that one chance to be able to look at these editors, look at these major corporate media entities and say, fuck you. I don't believe what you said. You can't just talk that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's impressive stuff. And the reason why we highlight that kind of thing is because you're not going to see it or hear it anywhere else. You're going to hear about the horse race. You're going to hear about what ever Donald Trump had to say about Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis had to say about Donald Trump. But this is an important undercurrent because whether or not these candidates like Tim Scott or Nikki Haley ultimately win this nomination, they are going to play a critical role in determining who does. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I say one specific thing on the Nikki thing that I thought was so strong was when she said, you know, you're going to learn in school that if you're white, you're bad. And if you're black or brown, you're never good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is that is the best way to distill what woke ideology has no, done. Right. It's victim identity. Totally. You're right. And and it, and it's in a way that is very accessible to voters. But she's she's also doing it from a first person standpoint. Right. I watched another part of the interview where she was talking they were trying to basically say that the the shooting in Charleston at the church that horrific shooting that gave rise to them taking down the confederate flag which she ultimately supported they were trying to say that they basically forced her hand that she never would have dealt with it and she first personed it by saying that one of the things that she said to state legislatures when they were considering how to deal with this thing is that when she was young and she went to a fresh produce stand and this fresh produce stand is where her father used to buy all their groceries because he didn't like to go to the grocery store. He liked to buy from, directly from the farmers. And they went there one time and everybody was sort of concerned because their father wore a turban. And it was, they were like very thrown off by that. And pretty soon the police showed up and sort of started shat shadowing him around as he was buying the produce. And he ultimately bought the produce, got in the car and drove away and never said a word about it. Because in her view she knew exactly that her father didn't want her to see what just happened, mm. but she had seen it. And she said, to this day, I drive past that produce stand and it's a reminder of the pain that I had that day, every day. And if that flag and that flag pole outside of our Capitol is a reminder to anyone in our state about a pain that you don't understand, you got to think twice about it. And I was like, wow, you know, I mean, if, there are plenty of arguments on other on on like about the flag about all this stuff, but being able to first person that stuff and make it as powerful as it is, that's it, man. Like that is a really solid argument, mm -hmm. and she's able to do that in front of CNN. That's ultimately questioning whether or not she really meant it, or whether she sort of caved to the political reality that a, a massive African-American population in her state demanded it to be taken down. She's like, no, let me tell you what my experience was and why I saw it the way I did. Communicating. Mm -hmm. What a fresh reminder that that matters in politics, right? Yeah, huge. I mean, it's just, it's, it's good stuff. And again, I think that this stuff is all important because ultimately if Republicans are gonna win with whomever nominee we have, 
you're going to have to expand the base beyond where it is currently. And you're going to have to get to those people who were reluctant to support Donald Trump in 2020, whether they support Donald Trump or somebody else in 2024. It's going to be because of arguments like that. Mm-hmm. And the people have been pulled into the Republican Party who previously had some hesitation from one reason or another. Yeah. And, and they are doing that work right now. But if you get if you, if you get a Haley, if you get a Scott, if you get a DeSantis type candidate, you also have a generational contrast that you can drive. I mean, those three will be able to talk about how Joe Biden is yesterday, and we are tomorrow like nobody nobody's business in a way that this country has never had, or in, I mean, at least in, in, in since I can remember, had a contrast in a presidential race where it is just clearly the past versus the future. Yeah, well, 08 was and, a good one on the wrong side. Well, it, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a perfect contrast of how that cuts against you. But this is but this is our chance to have that exact I rate. totally agree. I totally agree. So um, anyway, there's some new entrants this week. That's right. Uh, friends of the program, two of the three, in former Vice President Mike Pence. He filed the FEC paperwork. Filed the paperwork. Uh, we've been in contact with his team about coming on the program. Um, and he's going to be announcing here this week, Chris Christie. Another friend of the program, done a couple of ride-alongs. He's going to get in, which I think will be fascinating. And then a guy, uh, Governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, who put out a video. An interesting story, right? I mean, he's from North Dakota, um, became a sort of tech magnate, um, built a billion-dollar company, became governor from all intense purposes been a terrific conservative governor i think the, the question on everybody's mind is like who's doug Burgum? I think that's the thing right and, and where does he find a, a role here when you're dealing with mega stars i mean anytime somebody like nikki haley or tim scott is an understated candidate in this race means that you're dealing with like carl hungus <laughs> and ron DeSantis, right i mean you're dealing with Big, big, big deals here. Whether or not that guy's going to get the traction or not, I don't know. What I do know is he certainly speaks Iowa, which will be interesting. Yeah. But so does Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be kind of an interesting thing. Equally interesting is uh, our uh, friend Governor Sununu of New Hampshire, who did a media tour to announce he was not going to. It reminded me a little of the Chuck Hagel 2008 (laughs) media tour. To announce that oh, he was not going wait, to he, run. He's, he said he's not going to run Smug? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we, we when we were doing the RGA thing, uh, we got to talk to a lot of the governors, and he was like, I, I pulled him aside, and I was like, are you going to, there are a few things I want to talk about. <laughs> and he, he, he was like, well, I'm going to be making my decision soon enough. I think a little bit of that is if people don't know whether you're going to run or not, that means you can have an open, car, you know, it's a red carpet to get any media show you want. You know, so th- that's a huge benefit for a lot of these folks who are like, yeah, am I going to run? Am I not going to run? Chase me. Chase me. That's it. That's well, it. he did that exceptionally. He was on every show that spoke the English word over the last three months. And he's now decided that he's not going to do it, which puts him in a decent situation in New Hampshire in terms of perhaps being a kingmaker. Well, he was explicit about that, too. In, in the interview, he said um, that if you... Basically, like if you aren't viable, you got to get out before Christmas, right? Yeah, that he you know might make an endorsement in the in the New Hampshire primary, 
you know, and so you could you could really do like you said, find yourself in a position where where Sununu is trying to play kingmaker, you know, after Iowa in a New Hampshire primary. However, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's get your thoughts. Old would man. you like my thoughts? I want yeah, you unfiltered. Go for it. I want your thoughts. Uh, he he is positioning himself as the guy who's going to stop Donald Trump. I think Ron DeSantis could win Iowa, and I think they could be polling equal in New Hampshire. And I don't think he'd endorse Ron DeSantis. Like not not never not in a million fucking what years. Do you, who do you think he's going to endorse? I don't know, but all I'm saying is I don't think Rod DeSantis is doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Like I think are you, Johnson or, or Chris Sununu, you don't think is doing this? Oh out of, yeah, I don't think Chris Sununu is doing this out of the goodness. You of think his he's going to endorse Donald Trump? No, I don't think he's going to endorse Donald Trump. I just I like I think this is all media preening bullshit. I don't think it's fucking real. Like I mm. don't. I don't. I don't think like. It could be. I think there's a total difference. I don't know what his motivations are. I don't claim to know. I know he's a he, look. He's a he's a nice, congenial guy when you see him in places. And I he's not nice. It, no, it is what nice. it is. He's not nice because of what he did when when he was courted run for the United States Senate. I think it was a bullshit move. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that he's nice. I think what he did was disgraceful and really <laughs> insulting to a lot of people who worked really hard. Um, so I don't think he's nice. And I think if he was nice for the Republican Party, he would have done better district lines and we would have had another house seat. <laughs> but he didn't want to do that for the same reason he's doing this, which is to preen for national media instead of trying to deliver wins for the Republican Party. That's my opinion. I feel like, look, you've it's long held and very consistent. But I'm I do sure think there's sure, a... I'm, look, I'm sure he's personally a nice guy. I just don't give a shit. If you're a nice guy, I want you to win for the Republican Party. I think that's a fair point. My only point is that there's a huge difference between however he's going to handle that, and it remains to be seen, and like Governor Kim Reynolds mm. or Joni Ernst, who are basically making it their priority to go around their entire state and introduce each one of the presidential candidates to every major constituency one-on-one -on -one and be there yeah, and stand there with them and talk about the importance of this guy and this guy and this guy and this lady and and what they're doing and how long they've been doing it and and it, it's it's an amazing it's like a political concierge that they and, are and in it, Iowa. It's priceless because like Kim Reynolds for good reason is a rock star in Iowa. Like what she's gotten done just in this past session when it's school choice, tax cuts, tort reform. She's like knocked out the entire conservative wish list mm -hmm. one after the other. So when she when you have like you know the the good luck to have her show you around, capitalize on capitalize it. on it. But she's she's open for business and she's doing it for everybody, which that's how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Because what you're supposed to do as a governor is not say I'm doing X or I'm doing Y. It's I want to make sure that anyone who has the capacity to be nominee understands everything there is to know about my state mm -hmm. and they put it at the top of the heap if they become president of the United States. Yep. And that's what those people are doing. They're just it's just so smart. Well and, and I don't I can't believe you no know, everybody else doesn't do it. And Kim Reynolds has an incredible farm team and they've done incredibly successful work in Iowa building that team. You yeah. look at guys like Zach Nunn who come up from you know uh, totally. local politics. We had, we interviewed him when he was a yeah. state legislator. Right. 
Uh, all I'm saying is, like, if Kim Reynolds was governor of New Hampshire, we would have won New Hampshire one. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Man, we wouldn't have fucking lost that seat for no reason. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I love getting the old man all riled. I'm just up. riled. I'm never going to forget. I'll never forget. Uh, two quick things I want to hit. Uh, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey endorses Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for the 2024 presidential race. I think this is hysterical for so many reasons. The first is it's all it's very funny to watch Democrats try to grapple with the fact that this like complete crazy person has got 20 percent of their primary. Mm -hmm. To me, it is. And they're all now dealing with these weird sort of libertarian people who are like, why wouldn't you give a debate with Robert F. Kennedy? And like you look back two seconds, like just Google search the guy. He's like a Hugo Chavez communist supporter who believes that John Kerry won the 2004 election so and it think was you're stolen. Just, that's, that's the Democrat base. You're, you're just, just describing the entire base at this point. Like AOC right. is the tip of the you, spear. But this guy, but no, 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 no. You just described Bernie Sanders, dude. That's what are you it. talking Bingo. about? I know, but, but here's the funniest part about it is all the Bernie Sanders people are like, oh yeah, reelect Joe Biden. Reelect Joe Biden. Maybe the institutional people in D.C. You, you, you have this weird conservative libertarian strain of people who are like Robert F. Kennedy is the truth and it's like I think Biden should debate him I do too I, I think I Biden think should Biden, debate I think, him oh I, I have no problem with it if, if I've given you any impression that I don't think that should happen I I mean if he's pulling at 20% put him on stage and Biden owes it yeah. owes it to the people but I do yeah. think it's funny that all these, these this is what bothers me the most about our sort of celebrity culture mm -hmm. is you get somebody like Jack Dorsey that doesn't know his ass from his elbow when it comes to political processes or debate mm -hmm. who all of a sudden has a say like this is a story in the New York Post this guy's going to throw an endorsement one way or another mm -hmm. and this guy has prided himself as being a political independent sees the world very thoughtfully thinks deeply about the issues of our day know his beard suggests as many stuff. of these tech guys do and then they're like, yeah, Robert F. Kennedy is the guy. Right. I mean, this this dude is a legitimate fucking, like, if he wasn't in politics, you'd institutionalize this fucking guy. And I'm happy that the Democrats have this problem because it's they should insti institutionalize my, a good portion of their my, base, too. My favorite thing about it is that the last time a Kennedy primaried a sitting president of the United States, it ushered in the strongest Republican presidency of our lifetimes. When Ronald Reagan defeated Jimmy Carter yep. after Jimmy Carter Old, just barely beat Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy. And I think that this... And all he did was kill a gal in the Chappaquiddick. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. To our knowledge, Kennedy's, this Kennedy hasn't get away killed with anyone, right? To our knowledge, this Kennedy hasn't killed anyone. I don't think so. See, that's a question for a debate. No blood on the hands, as far as I know. Well, that's why uh, Joe Biden could ask him that. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have any, he doesn't, it's not like he's walking in with nothing in a debate. And, and you know what? He needs to get on, when, if there's a debate, the first question he needs to ask is, Joe Biden, you know, you, you have access to all the information. Who, who killed my uncle JFK? Well, oh, he's got a lot of thoughts on that. He actually has laid down a lot of tape. J. Edgar Hoover is basically the, the the center of that. Give him a debate. Let him debate. <laughs> Let him debate. The people want it. People want it. Anyway, I love the thoughtful the thoughtful uh, libertarian here. Um, last thing that we got to hit, dude. Do you see this box head thing? No. So this is from the New York Post. A box wearing thief drops disguise <laughs> long enough to reveal face, helping to lead to arrest. 
Oh my goodness. Here's the lead and then we can talk about it. This boneheaded move landed the box wearing thief in criminal trouble. A robbery suspect was caught on surveillance video wearing a cardboard box over his head while he allegedly was stealing phones from a Florida store. But he briefly removed the ill-fitting ad hoc mask just long enough to disguise to be dropped, according to the report. So this dude literally robbed a store with a moving box on his head. Yeah, it's a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even like he didn't even like carve out some some holes for his eyes. It's just you gotta see the picture. There's no holes for the eyes. He just got a box over his head and he walked in with a gun. You know what? Maybe the wolf can throw the for the for the folks watching on YouTube. Maybe the wolf can throw this picture up on wolf on uh, on YouTube. I mean, it the, the dudes. Our crime. They're not sending their best. They are, no. I mean, I think that's part of the problem is, you know, you watch the news in from New York City, San Francisco. It's essentially just like a free-for-all running amok in terms of stealing. Not We, we deserve better criminals. We just... <laughs> <laughs> we just <laughs> uh, all right, so last story, uh, and I want to get in particular uh, Smash involved here. Uh, it turns out the Irish... And what do we say about that? Struggle food? Well, yeah. I mean, they're known for their cuisine. You can tell that that's a, that's a group of folks who have struggled throughout history. <laughs> like, you know, boiled cabbage. Hey, like. hey. The Irish, We're doing our best. The Irish government proposes uh, a culling of 200,000 cows to meet their climate goals. This is, this is really tough for you because you, you know, you hate radical environmentalists ways. and you hate animals. So how do you... How do you square that circle? I, I don't hate animals. I like people more than I like animals. I think it's a very simple concept that the libs do not believe in themselves. And this is absolute tyranny. <laughs> I mean, this is People are depending on these cows to eat them, to, to drink their milk. And what you can't get a shepherd's pie or anything out of it without the cow, that's right? right? I mean, you got to figure you, that you out some way. You can't, you can't. And I mean, what are the potatoes, the mashed potatoes on top of the shepherd's pie? What are they going to be covering? Huh? <laughs> so, so there's no ground beef underneath. I, I've started calling the, the the whole you know climate thing a death cult for a while. It's a climate it's death. Exactly cult. what it is. This is a prime example. If you take a step back, because the media has you pushes this climate change mm -hmm. of like. Oh, you got to give up your straw so John Kerry can take his private jet mm -hmm. wherever he wants. Mm -hmm. If you take a step back, these people believe if we sacrifice enough animals, the weather will be good. The gods yeah, right. will bring us rain. Right. Yeah, they like, sound like the Aztecs. No, it's this true. Is, that's exactly it. This is a climate death cult of like, we must make a sacrifice right. of yeah, 200,000 <laughs> and the crops will be saved. Please, please the sun god. Yeah. But what's you're so right. amazing to me is the Irish you're in on this. Yeah. Right? I mean, because look. I thought these were good Catholics. I people. expect the French to be in on something like this. Like this makes sense, right? The the, the whole yeah, defend your people. Yeah, but but like the Irish, uh, things have not been that great. Well, what I would challenge the 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 this um, group to do is if they feel so strongly about eliminating two hundred thousand <laughs> cows for no reason and not giving anybody who's hungry the food that they would provide, I would challenge them to put this on camera. Let everybody watch it on YouTube, and then everyone can decide for themselves whether they think the climate cult is right or whether normal people are right. They're going to build a massive pyramid 
and then like behead two hundred thousand cows. Have you and say now the crops will grow? Have you ever? It will bring rain and good fortune. Have you ever seen these old black and white pictures of people in the in in the old west like sitting on top of a mountain of buffalo skulls when they were taking the railroad? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's exactly what they're describing here. When your average suburban voter just wants clean air and clean water, they don't want to eliminate two hundred thousand cows just for the sake of saying, "Oh, we did it." I mean, it's just it, it comes down to their belief. That if we sacrifice enough animals or people or whatever, the weather will be good. It's the most boneheaded insanity. It's it's unbelievable. It's wrong. It it's just flat out wrong. Well, the Irish farmers are, are fighting back. Pat McCormick's got thoughts. <laughs> what, <laughs> He's the president of the Irish Creamery. Uh, Milk Suppliers Association. Patrick McCormick. Yeah. You couldn't get We should be investing in the infrastructure, man. (laughs) I could deliver the scientific perspective. (laughs) We should know that emissions, they can be better. (laughs) We should be continuing to invest in further science and research. Because that's absolutely critical to move forward. (laughs) That's what he says. He's he's like he's selling lucky charms. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good, man. That was good. <laughs> well, anyway, no more amount of four-leaf clovers can get them out of this right, because nope. it seems like they've they've made a commitment here. No pot of gold for these cows. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's just going to be potatoes for everybody who lives in Ireland from now on. You're not allowed to eat meat. Have a hamburger while you can, fellas. <laughs> Let's get it out. <laughs> it's all going to be gone pretty soon. John Kerry is stealing it from you. Because he thinks that's what makes the world better. I mean, you got to kill 200,000 cows to make up for the mission of how much he flies around his private jet. It's that's unbelievable. Right. <laughs> An amazing thing. I mean, in 200,000, that's a lot of that's cows. A lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of cows. And again, it's not enough. It says in this report uh, that a group wants 1.3 million cattle. But it's never enough. It's never it's, enough. It's never enough never for them. Enough. It's not because what they, they don't care about the environment. They care about control. Bingo. All they want is power. They want to be able to say that they're in charge and we're not. They want to keep us down. They want to keep us hungry and coming to them with a bowl of nothing in our hands, yeah. hoping that they'll pour Please, something. Please, Sam, I have small. That's exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Listen, I have expanded thoughts that I will not get into in this program about how it is that the left has gotten us into these situations on climate, on weird sort of gender identity issues and everything else. Uh, but it'll have to wait till Thursday because I think we've done it here, folks. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode, if I may say so myself. Thank you so much to The Wolf for our first video production. Thank you so much to The Minions. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.